We're back for episode 12. Have you heard of Amelia? Well, it's the congenital disease of being born with missing limbs. And today's guest, having experienced that fate, has done some pretty impressive things despite that. So on this episode, I chat with bodybuilder, gym owner, and public speaker, Steve Urgel, about why it's cool to be different. So let's go. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? How you been? I hope you have had a great week. I am here with a very special guest and I'm really excited because he's super unique and he has a really unique story to share. Um, So stay tuned because I think this will really hit home with some people that maybe aren't feeling so okay with themselves. So I want to introduce Steve Urgel. He's this amazing guy and it's really it's really best if I hand it over to him to talk about what he's all about because he's got lots to share. So how you doing, Steve? Welcome to the show. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah not a worry at all. I'm really glad that you're here. So I guess before we jump into it, let's just start with you. Just, just give us a spiel about what you're all about and sort of, you know, a little yep. bit of details of your history and stuff like that, just to give us a, a good, well-rounded picture of who Steve Urgel is. Yeah, sure. Well, the fitness industry is my game, basically, um, and I've been working in the fitness industry for 19 years, been training for 30 years myself. I joined the gym for the very first time when I was 16 years old, and basically it's my passion and it's what I love doing. I've been a personal trainer yeah, and trained thousands of people and basically love, love teaching them more than just training them. And that's, that's where the personal training comes into it. I don't just train someone, I teach them. And um, yeah, I own my own gymnasium called Inspirational Health and Fitness. That's been going for about eight years and yeah, just love it. I, um, I know that gym well. I used to, I used to train there. Um, it's a massive facility. You've got so many machines there. Yeah, um, I didn't know, uh, you know, what I was going to, I mean, I mean, I planned it for about five years, but it was just a matter of getting the right location, getting the actual warehouse together and, um, yeah, got all my equipment down from America and done the whole trip down there and it was a, it was a big process. Yeah, I can imagine with all that gear, you've completely ruined me for other gyms because every other gym's <laughs> too small now. Yeah, well, I'm glad you like it and, uh, and I'm, I'm hoping one day you come back and I'm... Um, you know, it's good to hear that people uh, actually enjoy the gym. Yeah, I, I loved it absolutely, and all the um, all the guys on the on the walls that you've got up there is really inspiring. Yeah, I, I didn't want to um, flood the walls with pictures, but that's more of a. I mean, you know, the pictures that I've got up there are just all the Olympias, the basically people who have won the Olympia back from 1965 right up until today's date, and um, yeah, I don't really want to over flood the gym with just all bodybuilding pictures, so. We want to attract all sorts of people and don't want to just attract that bodybuilding sort of... Even though I've got a bodybuilding background, don't want to just attract that bodybuilding um, market out there. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, for the listeners, you're an extremely unique type of bodybuilder. So do you want to let everybody know a bit of your background in that regard? Because the listeners are probably just thinking of a a regular bodybuilder, but you're particularly unique. Well, um, I was actually born with part of my left arm missing. So... I competed back in 1998 for the first time and as far as competing goes, I didn't plan to compete as a bodybuilder. Most bodybuilders, they'll 
they'll actually plan a 16 or an eight week or even up to a 20 week plan of dieting training. Whereas I went, I went over, a, over a summer period where I dieted for myself just to get in shape. One of the guys that had competed in the gym that I was currently training in, he said to me, Steve, you're in pretty good shape. How about you do a bodybuilding comp? And I'm like, really? Like, I, I had no idea what it was involved. And it was two weeks prior to the competition. So I only had two weeks to get ready for this competition. Only two weeks to Only prep. two weeks, yeah, which right. normally someone plans 18 weeks or 16 weeks or even up to 20 weeks. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going back and forth with it. And he said, oh, look, come over to my place this weekend. You know, I'll show you a couple of tips on how to pose and we'll get a routine together and see how you go. So that weekend, I spent the Saturday afternoon with him and amazingly, I picked it up pretty quickly. Like, um, I was quite confident in it. And what he left me with was an actual routine. But then I got home that night and I tweaked it to my liking. And then before I knew it, the next weekend, I was up on stage competing. Two-week preparation. That's impressive. So, I mean, I had already been dieting. When I say dieting, not to the point as a bodybuilder, but I was dieting to get into... And I was in pretty good shape. So he convinced me that I wouldn't get up on stage and look like an idiot, basically, but yeah. I'd be... I'd to believe be, in yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we got it together, and then I was, the next week I was competing. Yeah, and what year was that? That was in 1998. Yep. I was 28 years old at the, at the time. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So I guess before I dive a little bit further into the bodybuilding stuff, I'm really curious what it was like growing up with just having part of your arm missing as yeah. a, like, and without one of your hands. So I'm really curious as, as a kid, what was that like and how that kind of shaped who you, you became as an adult? Right, yeah. Um, look, I, I felt nothing out of the ordinary. I mean, I, I felt quite normal growing up as a kid. I mingled with other kids properly. I played, I played lots of sports as a, as a kid. I played cricket, I played footy, I snow skied for 12 years. And what's hard to get around people's heads is that I, I rode motorbikes for, you know, from the age of 13 to I was 21. I even considered racing motocross at one stage. That's how good I got at it. Wow. So, um, you know, um, I never had an, a hand. When I say I was born with one arm, it's from the wrist down. I haven't, my left hand wasn't developed um, for whatever reason. Where, and so I've only got um, part of my arm missing, not my whole arm. So as far as growing up, my parents didn't treat me any different. They let me do whatever I had to do on my own. So they didn't, you know, baby me or wrap me up in cotton where, yep. just to help me out with everything. Um, and I, I remember when I was in grade one, I learned to tie my shoelaces up. And most of the other kids hadn't, didn't even know how to tie their shoelaces up. At, yeah, and they had that, two hands. And they had two hands. <laughs> so, um, and I, I, I remember quite clearly, we used to have these shoelace tying competitions where we would race each other, see how fast we can tie the shoelaces up, and I would win most of the time, even with one arm. Yeah, wow. So, yeah, um, I quite remember that quite clearly. But, um, look, I've coped with life quite well with just one arm and it hasn't stopped me from doing anything at all, and I don't know any different, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess your parents played a big role in that by not treating you any differently, so therefore you just perceived yourself as, as normal. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. No, that's great, and great by your parents. Yeah. Um, so... Obviously, you got into bodybuilding a bit later on. Did you grow up in a sort of a health-conscious household? Like, was, was home a, a healthy environment? Like, is that what kind of led you to, 
you know, looking after yourself and dieting even before you got into the bodybuilding? Not really. Um, look, uh, my brother, I'm one of three, the youngest out of three. My brother, my sister, they're not, I mean, I don't remember them being involved in any team sports or um, my dad, look, hunting and fishing is his thing and he, he loves that and I guess he keeps fit that way. But um, as far as uh, has it been passed on from my parents or brother or sister, not, not really, no. Um, yeah, right. I just, at the age of 16, thought, well, I was quite skinny as a kid. I wanted to join the gym because I wanted to put on a little bit of muscle and one thing led to another and that's how I started. Yeah, right. And how many bodybuilding competitions did you enter in total? I've done nine competitions in total. And you've well, ranked in a few of them, right? Yeah. Um, in 1999, I placed third. And so I competed in 1998, 1999, 2001. And I placed third in 99. And I had a 14-year break from 2001 to 2015. Yeah, After well. 2001, I said I'd never compete again. I was done with it. And I, I'd done, I thought I'd done the best I could. And, that, and that's why you wanted to walk away because you thought you'd reached your peak? Yeah, I thought, you know, could I, could I do any better? I had a fair few years of it and gave it my best shot. And I thought, well, I've done the best I can and that's, that's pretty much it. So then in 2014 summer, like I did the very first time, I went over a bit of a diet over summer and I was starting to get in shape and I said to my wife, I said, we just got back from a camping trip over Christmas and... There was nine weeks till the Arnold Classic, which was the first Arnold Classic here in 2015 in Australia. And I thought it's a bit of a historical moment being the first Arnold Classic. I'm halfway there anyway. I'm in shape. And I said to my wife, I said, look, there's a competition coming up in nine weeks. I wouldn't mind doing it. Her eyes just rolled back. I said, oh, here we go again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I said, look, without your support, I've got a, you know, my boy's 11 at the moment. Um, It was a few years back. And I said, without your support, with supporting, you know, what we have to do with him, with his sports and school and and the business, um, I'm not going to do it. And she said, look, if you want to do it, just go ahead. I'll support you. And, um, yeah, I gave it another shot. I had to qualify for the Arnold Classic and I'd done a competition two weeks prior, which I got second, qualified for the Arnold and went and done the Arnold in, yeah, it was March, March 2015. And that was the last time I competed. Yeah, nice. With 14 year gap, that's impressive. Yeah, no, I'm definitely done with it this time. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably what you said last time. No, 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 I'm done with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, to give us a describe a bit of a visual for you, what uh, or for the listeners, what did you have to do differently in your preparation than sort of other other bodybuilders that would, you would have competed against on the day? Like, what, how is your preparation in the gym different? So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. 
I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Yeah. Um, Well, obviously with the one arm, I train a little bit differently. I've got a prosthetic arm that I train with. And um, without that, I can't. I don't think I could train at all. So it's an actual hook, and it helps me out with. And there's not really much I can't do. It. It's just a lot of the pulling exercises I struggle with the prosthetic arm. So I've got other attachments that I use for that. Um, but I, I do most exercises that any other bodybuilder or anyone that trains would normally do. It's only that if I do, rather than doing barbell bicep curls, I always do single arms because I can. Just focus on one arm at a time better. So training takes me a little bit longer because it's all individual arms. and um, Yeah, but that's probably about the only difference as far as training as opposed to anyone else. What age were you when you, um, you had that made? Um, it wasn't until I started training um, at sort of 16, 17 years old. So that was the motivation to get it made because you can pretty much do everything else yeah, without it. Yeah, I don't, even, I don't even use it in everyday activities. Yeah, it's right. only for training. Yeah. Which reality the doctors and people who made it for me think that I do use it every day yeah of course (laughs) (laughs) Uh, when I go back for well I have gone back to just make a few adjustments and things and they're like well this is um this is looking in pretty good condition you know and I said yeah I look after it quite well yeah yeah (laughs) Um, but someone that uses it every day obviously it gets dirty and gets scratched and of course so mine's in pretty good nick even after 20 years yeah 30 years of training that's awesome um and what about your diet so irrelevant of the of what you were doing in the gym so you said you started off because you you sort of cleaned up your diet and stuff so what was your your diet nutrition what did that look like in preparation I guess for all your competitions or, or how did it change across competitions yeah so it um well it wasn't until I actually after I competed the first time which was I only had two weeks to sort of get up on stage but I've been I've been dieting beforehand um over summer but it wasn't to a point where I would diet like for I would for a competition then the second time I competed I actually set myself a 13 week diet and it starts off with reasonably high carbs, and then as the diet, as the comp gets closer, um, the carbs start to get lower and calories start to reduce. And it is a high protein diet. Yeah, that's uh, look, pretty standard. Pretty standard. High protein, um, a lot of a lot of green veggies, and you just juggle your carbs according to how quick you're losing weight, or you're not you're losing weight, or you, you know, and you count your macros, and yeah, that's pretty much. As it gets closer and closer to the competition, they start to reduce. Yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah. And and did your was there any drastic changes in between sort of your first set of competitions, 14-year gap, and then that final one? The fi- did, was there a big difference because I guess you'd aged a little bit and your metabolism might have changed, or, yeah. or did you find it was the same? Well, every comp except for this last one that I've done in 2015, it was anywhere from, it was around about the 12, 13-week diet because I'm, I'm, I'm a really easy dieter. When it comes to dieting, I just clean my food up a little bit and I start to lose body fat quite quickly. 18 weeks it was, this 2015 comp, um, and I knew it would take longer because, yes, I, I was older and my metabolism does slow down and, and things start to move a little bit slower. 
Yeah, right. Yeah. If only you could put that in a pill. The, yeah. um, <laughs> That'd be great. Just, just clean the diet up, the fat falls off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess since then, so we met, you know, in the last couple of years at your gym and we've also come across one another, for the listeners, we've both come across one another in the public speaking space. So you, you yourself have moved into the public speaking space. So I guess what motivated you to move into that space and I guess what, what message are you trying to share with, with people that are listening? Right. Um, Many years ago, even before I thought about doing some public speaking, uh, my niece, she needed to pick someone that inspired her. She needed to do a, an assignment on them. So she chose me, her uncle. And when she showed the teachers and they basically read her assignment, which was my story, they asked, could I come into the, to the school and talk to the kids? That's great. <laughs> so... Um, and when I spoke to kids, I was probably about 100 kids, and I just told them my story, basically how I cope with one arm and what I've done, and um, they loved it. And I knew that from then on that there was something there for me to give, and there was a message there for the kids to actually take on board, and, and, and I was inspiring. Um, but it took a while before I actually done anything about it and wanted to I mean I've always wanted to but now I'm starting to get into the speaking game and yeah it can be a big step you know stepping in front of you know people you don't know yeah. on a regular basis and yeah. and big rooms of people absolutely I can totally relate to that yeah but um yeah look um and now I've, I've started to do a few schools and a couple of um, organizations and and yeah it's going quite well what have you got coming up I've got a, uh, a gig now on the 22nd of Feb. It's called Ignite Fitness, and um, that's at the Crown Plaza. And that's a, I'm pretty excited about that. That's a, a five-minute uh, presentation where we've got 20 slides, and they, the slides change every 15 seconds, or they're automated. So, they, so I've got no control of the clicker where I change the slides. So I've got to make sure that what I'm talking about matches what's going on up in the projector. Yeah, wow. So it's, um, yeah, it's pretty exciting. I'm, I can't wait to do it. Yep. And I'm waiting to see how it all turns out. Yeah, that's scary. I'm, I'm such a rambler with information. I'm always just knowledge dumping constantly. So if I had automated slides, I think I'd ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit different, but um, I'm pretty sure I've got it together yeah right yeah. so I guess that so the fundamentals of your message so you always say that being different is cool yeah. so um I guess really at the core of that is like mental health and I guess people being okay with themselves is, is that what you're trying to yeah get and I mean I hope that people look at me and say well look what you've done with one arm I mean what's what's basically their excuse or what's what why can't they do it Besides the fact that, sure, we can all be lazy at times and, um, and it's easy to just say, no, I don't want to do it or I can't. But the bottom line is you really can if you really want to. Just got to put your mind to yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. The mind's quite powerful and it'll talk you out of anything. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> no, I was actually, I was preparing for another podcast and um, I thought of you and what we would be talking about in regards to, I guess, people being okay with themselves and, and their differences. And it's actually really sad because the most recent report for the last sort of six or seven years consecutively, the Australian government have found that um, the leading cause of death from 15 to 24-year-old category and 25 to 44-year-old is suicide. Mm. Um, and that's, that's a huge huge gap and it's all young people it's everyone it's under 44 like yeah. um and it's the leading cause of death in australia so it's just our conversation that i knew we were going to have came to mind because i guess that's a lot of people that are not okay with their themselves and their reality and and you know i thought of the message that you're trying to get out there 
And exercise is a is a form of therapy. Absolutely, there's no, there's no doubt about it. Like yeah. there's no, I've I've witnessed it, I've seen it, and and I've felt it myself. Like there's no doubt about that. Exercise will will cure a lot of things. Oh, and they've done lots of research studies that contribute to the fact that it's um, really good for depression and anxiety and yeah. that type of thing. So it's 100% therapeutic. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think everybody should get into fitness. A lot, I think a lot of people get into fitness for relatively immediate goal, you know, driven desires. Like, I want to lose weight in this, I want to mm. look like this or, you know, I want to look like this person on Instagram or whatever. But people don't necessarily always look at it as a long-term sort of looking after the body and the mind for, for life yep. so and I think people really need to shift their perspective to, to look at it as more of a long term this isn't just a once I achieve the goal I walk away that's right kind of thing it's a lifestyle yeah exactly you gotta yeah. live it absolutely and, and more people are training these days for um, not just to you know look good at the beach on a, on a sunny, sunny day you know um, yep. it's, it's more of a you know for the mindset mental health and millions of other reasons yeah that, that's good to hear that you're getting people in the gym like that yeah. that are they're looking at it from that perspective yep. um, so given your journey what are the top three tips that you can give the listeners for getting comfortable with who they are or, or, or getting their mind in the right place in order to, to tackle whatever's in front of them to help them accept that being cool or being different is a cool thing well, that's just it. You've got to accept you are who you are. You can't change. I mean, I, I can't change the fact that I've got one arm. I mean, um, and I just um, do the best I can with what I've got, basically. Just, yeah, be, be who you are. Have a go at anything you, you really want to have a go at. Like, don't feel that there's... Even if you don't achieve it, have a, have a good go at it. Like, there's nothing wrong with just having a go. And even if you fail, you fail. So what? Who cares? Have another go. Yeah, I think people, a lot of people get discouraged by the fact they might fail. And, and even when they do, they beat themselves up. But when you stop and say, hang on, look where you started. You might not have achieved the goal, yeah. but, you know, you still lost five kilos instead of ten. You know, it's still, still a victory, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people... Um, with my clients, I work on like the ideal goal and the unacceptable goal, and anywhere in between is a victory. Like, yeah. we, we celebrate. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and in the aim of sort of doing that, like you know, if you don't hit the big goal, you know, there's still a win in there. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You can. Um, you're, you're still ahead of what you before you started. Whatever you started with, you're still exactly. one step ahead, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, so I guess before we wrap up, um, this has gone pretty quick. Um, before we wrap up, so let everybody know where they can find you online, your Instagram and stuff, and of course where your gym is so we can get some heads in the door. Yeah, so the gym's um, located in Altona North. It's called Inspirational Health and Fitness. Um, they can look me up on Facebook or Instagram page, just Inspirational Health and Fitness, and it'll come up. Um, and yeah, they'll get all the details basically off the, off the Facebook page or so two, it's unit six, 216 Blackshaws Road, Altona North. Nice. And your personal Instagram page? And you, you type in Steve Urgle, it'll come up as Steve Urgle. Yeah, no worries. Sounds yeah. good. I'll, I'll put all of this in the show notes so everybody can connect. But that's pretty much it. We're about up for time. So I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Oh, it's been great. Yeah, absolutely. I've been hanging to do this. So I'm really, <laughs> really grateful to get you on the show. And for all of those out there that are on Instagram, remember, if you got any value out of this episode, please take a screenshot of it and share it as your story and tag both Steve and myself. As I said, our information will be in the show notes. And that's pretty much it for today. So Steve, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This has been great. I've no, had to have it a ball. No worries, mate. We'll catch you soon. All right. Thank you. See you, mate. See ya. 
Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast or whichever app you use and we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.